y'all. Welcome to season six. Season six of This Most Unbelievable Life. I'm Sherry Spiegel. I'm Paul Fitzgerald. We're glad you're here. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Mm. Good afternoon, Sherry Spiegel. Hello, Paul Fitzgerald. What's going on? Oh, what's going on? Um, I'm sitting in one of my favorite places in the world. Where's that? It is in Strasburg, Virginia. What are you doing in Strasburg? I have escaped. I've escaped to there's a little cottage on an orchard that I like to go to. And I'm sitting there recording and I'm deeply concerned about whether I'll be echoey, but that is the price I pay for very tall ceilings in this cottage. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, the listener may know or hope to know that we put quite a lot of time and energy in trying to get the audio as good, good? Yeah. As we clean, good, accessible, acceptable as we can. And Paul is using a lot of we language, but really, it's all him. Well, I was going to say, it was usually it's me that angsts about the, oh my God, we can't have any echo. And that just goes back to the disastrous quality of, sound quality of, what is it? Episode Podcast eight? number eight. <laughs> <laughs> the notorious eight, right? Which is like, oh my the God. The hate for eight. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was like the hour and a half long one too. So that was a, that was a long Yeah. One. It's torture. Sketchville. So this is different. So uh, you're in Strasburg, Virginia. Uh, if you don't know where that is, folks, look that up. But uh, you're in a cabin. Yeah. I think technically they call it a cottage, but it's very cabin-like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So... Um, yeah, and I'm out here for a couple of days by myself, and then my husband will join me on Thursday, and cool. we'll take and just have a little downtime leading into uh, my birthday. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, yeah. happy birthday. Soon to come. Uh, and uh, for the last couple of years, I think in the last last episode, you were talking about how you and your husband are never together on your anniversary. That is correct. You and I are never together on your birthday. That is also that, that is a that is a week that I'm almost always visiting uh, in laws in 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 Michigan. Yeah. Right. Uh, and so, in this week, you are um out of your normal recording location. Last week, I was out of my normal recording location, so now I'm back in in my pad here. Right. Doing it, and you're you're out. And next you're week we it. both and have. Next stuff week going we're on. both going to be. <laughs> yeah. Next week we're both in in a in, in different head spaces and time spaces and in some cases physical spaces. Yeah. So wow. It's kind of funny because like what was it like two weeks ago we were looking at our calendars trying to figure out when we would get together. In my mind it was like when will we get together for the next in person. Uh, business meeting yeah, business i think meeting, in your yeah. head it was when are we getting together to uh celebrate sherry's birthday right and it's right. like we look at our travel schedules and it's like well <laughs> there huh. is one day that we are yeah. both <laughs> yeah. in we're, northern we're virginia it, we're doing it monday because it's going to be monday yeah there and are no choices but monday there are no choices and that almost makes it easy yeah. you know it's like when you don't you, there was nothing to think about it was perfect right it's like, awesome it's going to be monday because i get back on sunday and you're leaving on tuesday yeah. which means it's monday it's right. monday so. but the glory of the fact that we did that on monday is that it worked out very well because i was able to transport all of my podcast equipment care of yes one birthday yes. present from paul yes we all need a good a good case for our our, our audio visual gear yeah so talk about i like to give practical gifts so. it's true like um the great thing about having a birthday and having christmas be something that we celebrate is that our podcast gets upgraded with every passing holiday. And <laughs> my birthday and Christmas yeah. are exactly six months apart. So it's, you know. Yeah, not nice everyone has that luxury. I mean, uh, something something runs in my wife's family uh, where it's like she, her dad, her stepmom, it's like they're all mid to late December. Interesting. It's, like, it's hard. 
it's hard, you know? Yeah. And well, I'm, it's like, it's it, of course what I'm talking about literally is the, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to come up with a good Christmas gift and it's like your birthday was literally last week. And it's like, I, I sort of blew my creative juices on coming up with a good birthday present. Now I have to do it again. It's like, let's not expect, you know, lightning has to strike twice here. And it's like her dad's birthday is in like, Dece- it's like December 24th or something like, and it's like, I mean, it is some of them like her, her, her dad and her stepmom yeah. is like within days of of the actual christmas day well and this is what always happens with at least sean at least sean is is like a couple of a week or two earlier so it's like i got a a week of breathing room here before i have to pull another rabbit out of the hat yeah gift wise you know well and this is what i feel you know i set eric up for because we got married 10 days before my birthday um so i remember the first year we were married um by the time we got to my birthday um like we were broke because we had just yeah. like had a wedding right. and had like two poor college students went on a honeymoon. Um, so I don't even remember what we ended up buying me for that first birthday. It was probably like pajamas or something like it was like super practical, yeah, but right, Hey, that right, works. Right. Um, but yeah, so I've always like Eric's birthday is in October and like, I've got plenty of time to like gear up for it and then re gear up for Christmas. Um, and then lots of space to think about anniversary. Yeah, right. Um, but for him, it's like 10 days, 10 days. That's rough. That's rough. Yeah, but I guess I'm the opposite because, I mean, my birthday is in April, late April, yep. mid-late April, and anniversary is in mid-late May. So I don't give Sean a lot of time yeah. between birthday and, and anniversary. But You know what just occurred to me, Paul? What? Before we started recording this episode... We had a conversation about the things that I never want to record podcasts about. Yeah, gifts. Yeah, gifts. <laughs> and we're doing it. Doing it again. This is the second time. Like, the only topic that I have made taboo, and I don't even know why exactly, but now this is almost becoming a running gag. Like, if I, if we say, let's not talk about gifts, then somehow the podcast becomes... Well, what we're talking about, we're not talking about gifts. We're talking about how it's hard to give gifts when people's birthdays are close to a holiday. That's all we're talking about. <laughs> That's all we're talking about. Um, well, I was just going to say that I was being flexible in going where the conversation yeah, took me. Yeah, totally. And and that's one thing that we um, that we I think try to do on this on this podcast as our listeners know uh, we do not script out these podcasts we're not reading from pages that have been prepared for us by clear thought or 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 thinking too far in advance um it's a discovery space a lot of times Mm -hmm. uh for us as we as we figure out what's going on with stuff because that's what life sort of seems to be is this discovery space where and one thing one thing that i say oftentimes to folks you know, when I see people, students mostly, but other other folks as well. I mean, this is what this is just what I tell myself. It's not like advice that I'm giving or anything like that. Um, that that experience a lot of angst and a lot of struggle and a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and a lot of blah, you know a lot of stress from trying to really engineer hyper specific outcomes later on down the line based on on what they're doing now and um what i oftentimes will will sort of say and and sort of think about myself when i do it and what i say it's just like what i say to them about what i think about myself is that look man um i you know i i i don't spend a huge amount of time trying to do all this stuff now to try to engineer a particular outcome later, you know? And, and so students oftentimes will students specifically students will say, what do I need to do? So I want to be this and I want to work here and I want to have this job of what I need today, you know? And it's like, you're asking me what you need to do um, now to get this kind of stuff later. It's like, when, how, how good are you at predicting <laughs> what the outcome of events are going to be? You know, did you know you would be having this conversation with me right now? Did you do you know what classes you're going to be taking in a year from now? 
Do you know what institution you're going to transfer into? Do you have any idea? You know, it's like if you look at the own trajectory of your life and being able to predict what the outcomes of events were when you engaged in them, how close were you to that? And I, and I think I can only speak for myself with my own abilities to predict what the outcome of my own events that I engage in were, they're low. It's low. It's like, I can't even predict how what's going to happen tomorrow based on what I do today. How am I going to be able to say anything about you, you know, and, and what you're out, the outcome of your events are going to be for what you do today. Um, it's like, it, it's just so hard. I mean, and so it's like, if, if I, if, if we really, really marry ourselves and really predicate our own happiness uh, for 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 later based on the actions we do today the odds of them working out that way are going to be low and it's like you're, you're literally almost guaranteeing yourself a hard time later on this isn't the way this was supposed to go this i didn't plan it this way this isn't what was supposed to happen it's like so it, it's not like it's not like you have to do a better job of trying to predict my solution is like well just give up <laughs> Just stop trying. And that's <laughs> like, what we have for you today. <laughs> and Goodbye. that's today's podcast. Just, you know, and that was sort of the I quit episode a little bit, but yeah. we didn't go in this direction with it. But it's like, yeah, I'm just going to, what, what would, what, what would be different if I just like stopped trying to engineer my, my outcomes, you know? Right. And there, I mean, and, and that's, that's a fun conversation to have, but ultimately uh, there's a there's a, a, an argument that comes in from the side, which is okay. So if you're not going to try to engineer the outcome, then what takes its place? It's like then what drive what what drives your life, right? Right. If, what do you have like, left? You can, what 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 else is what, what else then? You mm-hmm. know. Well, do you have an answer to that? Um, I do, I do. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that whole thing first, Doctor Spiegel. Uh, pass the, pass well, the I mean. What do I want to say? I think my thoughts start with this idea of like one recognition of what that hypothetical student or person is trying to obtain um, with that idea of like, well, what should I do next? And where am I going? And can you just help me script this all out? Because, you know, I can tell you when I was at Virginia Tech, um, one of the things I was in the residential leadership program my first year. So, you know, we were a building full of leaders. Uh, and one of the things they had us do was script out uh, our four years at Virginia Tech, every right. class we were going to take. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And I will tell you <coughs> that I scripted that out in a very beautiful binder. And it was very reassuring. And uh, there were colored tabs. And I knew exactly what was going to happen. And I felt super, super in control. Right. And actually yesterday in the box that you gave me, like um, that had my Zoom mixer uh, holder in it. Um, yeah. I did think for a second, you told me that it was practical. And there was this moment in my head where I was like, oh, I hope it's a trapper keeper for all my plunger. people organized. It's a plunger. You're yeah. right. It's a, um, it's a squeegee. So, you know, I had planned that out and I felt like so much safety in that. Um, the trapper keeper. I mean, just, I mean, just the... Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can carry around, I can point to my plans. Um, and this idea that that objects that play, I mean, it's just like, you know, somebody sits down with a planner um, and charts out what they're going to do for the week. Um, I think that there's something very reassuring and comforting that comes from that um, until you're greeted with your actual day. Uh, It's like a friend of mine was posting on Facebook earlier today that she had like a really, really busy week this week. She had like every moment of her week scheduled out and she knew like exactly what she needed to accomplish. And she had a really demanding like life. And then her three-year-old walked in and was like, I want to wear underwear. Right. And the moment where you're your three-year-old is like, hey, what's up? We're doing potty training this week. Your yeah, whole right. life shifts, right? Um, so I think this idea of, I understand the desire to plan and to know the right next thing. I understand where that impulse comes from. But I also find that that always leads me to suffering yeah why do you think that is 
What do you think that is? Because life isn't... Because sometimes a three-year-old walks in and says, I want to wear underwear, right? Like it's, you can't predict all the things that come forward. Um, Right, right. And if you stick to the script, you'll miss, uh, maybe miss some of the good stuff, right? I think, I I would argue miss a lot of the good stuff. And um, I mean, it's, I, I, it's like, I think you and I probably, I cannot speak for you, Dr. Spiegel. Um, probably do though, um, appreciate the, the long suffering student who, you know, has this big plan sort of mapped out in front of them for a variety of reasons. And and it's not that we're one of those things we just throw it up there and say, well, that's just what, what, what the human mind does, you know, systemically, as part of the institutions that we engage in here in in the West, you know, students are very encouraged to try to pick a degree when they're 17 or 18 years old. It's that thing where it's like in high school, I took that test. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I said I was going to scan that and post it. Yeah. Right. To, yeah. To, I didn't, I didn't do that yet. I still need to get on that. Whatever the, uh, the aptitude job test or whatever it is that you, you do this questionnaire and it tells you, um, not what you're going to be when you grow up, but that's oftentimes how it's interpreted. But it's like the different careers that have people who have taken the test that align to that career. And it's like, I'm either going to be like a bus driver or a geologist. And it's like, why? Which, which for a variety of humorous reasons played out pretty accurately. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he took that when I was like 16. So it's, you know, there's a counter argument to make to all of this, I guess. But this is like, you know, these students who are not getting sleep and they're struggling and they're angsting and they're stressing out, you know, certainly trying to use, you know, I'll be happy. I'll be happy later and I'll get what I want if I suffer now as just nothing more than a justification for the suffering now because it's what expected, it's accepted and it, 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 it it's, it's relatable to other teens who are suffering Right. As well. You know, I can I can I can relate to people if I'm as miserable as as they are in my study habits. We're and we're all, you know, hoping to, you know, and and accepting that way uh accepting that way and that perspective of of misery and, and stress. Yeah. Because we'll be happy later when we finally get what we want. A job or a house or a career or whatever it might be. Right. Well, and I think, you know, I think I lived, I mean, boy, I've talked about this on this podcast before. I I think I lived that way for a really long time. Like, um, you know, I modified the, the sacred binder at Virginia Tech. Yeah, right. Because at one point, I'm very good at Tetris. And at one point, I realized that if I moved the pieces around and didn't take time to pursue the minor that I was pursuing, which I'll tell you what that was in a minute. Um, if I moved these pieces around and didn't include anything that was not essential to my degree, then I could graduate with a master's in five years instead right. of six. Right. Um, right, right. And so I did that because I needed to get the degree so that then I could get the job so that then I could get, you know, promoted. And then, you know, it was like, yeah, right, 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 right. Like, I was convinced that happiness was at the end of this chain of things. Um, right. And then, of course, right, we right, all right. know, like, I got promoted to full professor and then entered one of the deepest depressions of my life. Yeah, right. So right, right, right. how's that working out? And I think a lot of people do that, right? Like, um, a lot of times people acquire all the all the stuff or all the achievements that they've said, I'll be happy when to, and then they get there and realize, oh shit, I'm miserable. Uh, mis- yeah, I, so I've, I've, I've checked all the boxes. Yeah, so now and what? Now what? Here we are. Yeah, so what's the alternative? Oh boy, what is the alternative? Well, the, the you know, I, I, I feel like I need to add a caveat in here. You know, just to hedge my hedge my bets maybe a little bit, but sometimes planning does work. <laughs> you know, and it's like sometimes things do work out the way that you know you thought. That, you know, in a half an hour, I need to take that cake out of the oven, or there's going to be a problem. You know, and it's like, yeah, okay, fine. You know, it's like so. I'm not saying it's like, 
give up everything unless I am right. You know, right. kind of give up on, on everything and never plan anything and whatever. I mean, sometimes those things do kind of work out and you know, some people are list makers. These are the things I need to do by Friday, you know, fine, fine. You know, I do know for a fact that if I do these things now, uh, my, my weekend will probably be easier for a variety of, of reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going out of town for a week, so I probably need to put a stop on the mail so the post office holds it so they don't keep, keep trying to cram letters in my mailbox and the mo- I'll post the postman's going to get pissed because I got yelled at once already for not getting the mail often enough. The postman left like a note in the mailbox saying, it's like, please get your mail more often because like, I went for three days without checking the mail. And it's like, it's all Safeway ads anyway. It's like, well, I don't care. Just throw it in the recycle bin. I mean, how much mail do you get that's really important? Anyway? Uh, side topic. Um, don't make the mail person have to do your I love our you. mail people so much, right? And I want to respect them as much as I can. Yes. So it's a good idea for me to put a stop on the mail and so they'll hold it until we get fine. You know, it's going to be, I won't be thinking about it. It'll be easy. I already did it just so the listener knows it's all done. But it's like, if I do this, it'll be a good thing and I'll be, it'll be one less thing to worry about if I just do it now. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Why do it tomorrow? If you can just do it today, fine. I get all of that. And I think all of those things are are true. Um, Yet, you know, it's when we get into these other, other lines of thinking, I'm going to get this PhD so I can have this job. Well, Let's, let's think about that. It's like, I'm going to not sleep at all. And I'm going to, I'm going to stay up and study all night long uh, because I have to get an A in this because if I don't get an A in this, then I'm not going to get into the school I want to. And then I won't get the job that I want because I won't have the opportunities. And then I'm going to be homeless and miserable and I'm going to end up, you know, not being able to do what I want to do with my life. I'm going to be a disappointment to everyone around me. Aliens will invade. You know, the moon will crash into the earth and the solar system will come to an unceremonious end and the universe will literally destruct in front of me. Mm-hmm. All because, all because of that one little thing that started that chain of in, in, into motion. And it's like, I some, something in here is not is not a linear result of, of what you think it might be. And, and, um, that's where, I mean, you, you mentioned this, you know, adaptability, flexibility, sort of, sort of at the beginning. There's, there's having a plan. What is that plan, right? And if that plan is, I'm going to do this thing that is a limited resource. I'm going to get this specific job. I'm going to have this particular opportunity. I'm going to have this very specific outcome, and I will be miserable unless I do because that's really one of, what I want to do is I think that path towards guaranteeing um, a hard a hard time. Mm-hmm. You know, you put all, all the stakes on what you're doing now to result in a very specific outcome, knowing that your ability to predict what the outcome of your actions are going to be are so ungodly low, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the odds that... Um, it, it like I like to, to kind of go back and then I'll tell you what my own alternative is. It's easier to just give up on it all than and just say, you know what, I'm just going to be a good person, do my best um, with an intention that things might go this way, but they might not, and we'll see. Mm-hmm. And can that and and the the big question is, can that be okay? So I I have no problem at all with with Virginia Tech's approach. Um, I know for a fact the folks and I don't know if they still do this, but in the honors program at Virginia Tech. One of the things that they would get when they walked in is the big grid. Do you know about this, right? The big cardboard grid. And it's like you unfold it five different ways and you get the sticky notes out. This sounds like a lot like what you were doing. And what, like what class, what, you plan out your entire mm-hmm. four or five year or whatever long degree with these sticky notes, knowing that you always reserve the right to change it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the most important thing in that is the knowing that you always reserve the right to change it. Right. And it's like, this is my plan. This is an intention. This is the way this might sort of work out. It might not. Um, and so it's like you don't you don't get that grid out and use um, Sharpie non-erasable permanent marker when you fill that thing in. Use a sticky note and use a sticky note because you can write in permanent ink on that sticky note and then you can pull that sticky note off of there and you can throw it in the trash. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's important because sticking to the plan has consequences. Right. Um, 
And I think that's the thing that I learned at tech. And this is the thing that often goes into how I mentor students. Um, if you look at my undergraduate degree, I am one of the least well-rounded people with a bachelor's degree that I think mm. I've ever seen the transcript for. Um, because Virginia Tech had like, you know, seven different learning areas or whatever that we were supposed to accomplish during our time and our undergraduate degree. And because I think the English department, you know, here's a group of people very good at writing. Um, yeah. They yeah. had written themselves into almost every category, right? Like the only place where you really did have to take a class that was not English uh, was math and science. Um, just about everything else I could fulfill with an English class. Um, and so I stuck to the plan, even though I had interest bubble up in me while I was in college that I really, really wanted, like my curiosity got peaked. Yeah, but I didn't right. follow my curiosity because I had a plan. Um, and so one of the things that like just I find hilarious now, given who I am and the path I'm on now, um, and the fact that, you know, I haven't really changed from who I was then all that much. Um, one of the like the minor that I gave up was religious studies. Um, oh, that'd be so cool. Yeah. Like and so I took classes um you know, I took a class in New Testament. So cool. I took uh, Asian religions, which is probably one of the best classes I've ever taken in my life. Mm -hmm. Completely changed mm -hmm. how I saw the world. Um, and I would have loved to take more, but I didn't have time because I had a plan. Right. Um, right. And part of what I can see now is that the, the greatest underdeveloped skill set I had at the time uh, was a willingness to play. Yeah. Um, to, to be flexible and be, to be playful. Um, I took myself so seriously. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And so earlier I was telling you that I read this quote by Marshall Rosenberg um, that said, uh, never do anything that isn't play. What would you say to that, Paul? Um, well, it certainly, I mean, one of the first thing that it does to me, it's a fascinating quote. Um, it's a fascinating quote. Um, the, the, to me, that speaks to, um, because so many things do, just like a, a felt sense of the mindset of that. Mm -hmm. What feels like play? I mean, because it's not... What's the quote? Um, never do anything that doesn't feel like play or that isn't play. That isn't play. Yeah, that isn't play. What does play feel like? Mm. You know, it's like, what What does it feel like? Um, it feels unattached to outcome. It feels um, uh, present in the, in, the, in the instant moment that you're in. I mean, it feels like it's... Now we're going to get into some some stuff. I mean, it it feels like it's it's there for its own sake. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it feels effort, effortless, mm -hmm. effortless. Not not that you're not running around and getting worn out and going to have a good night's sleep and getting, you know, wh whatever. Um, it it feels effortless. Mm -hmm. It feels effortless. Um, and even even in you know thinking about like capture the flag when we would play when we were kids you know um, clearly there's an objective to this game mm -hmm. but make no mistake this is a game that we're playing you know this isn't real life this isn't you know the serious stuff this isn't homework and math and trying to you know come up with a where am I going to go to college and what do I want to be when I grow up and how do I get that I mean this isn't but no we're just playing capture the flag right so we need to strategize some sort of way to get this flag and if that doesn't work well we can try something else without risk or consequence mm -hmm. you know um and so play has this quality of adaptability you can you can change it anytime mm -hmm. you can adjust it anytime i mean think of the game connect for connect for it's like you don't even know what your next play is going to be until until the person plays theirs mm -hmm. it's it's a case study in adaptability chess checkers it's like the game evolves as it does it's like when you start when you start playing a, a a game of connect four or if you went into a game of of chess or checkers or anything that isn't 
uh, what is the one that has the predetermined outcome? Candyland. Candyland, Candyland? is Candyland? not any, a any game. game. Any game except Candyland, <laughs> right? Which violates every rule of gamehood. Evidently, we'll talk about that later. Um, you don't on your first move of Connect Four. You don't have your fifth move planned out. On the first move of a game of chess, you probably don't have your fifth move planned out. You don't have your ninth move planned out in a game of checkers. You don't have your second move planned out in a game of Connect Four. You literally have to wait and see what the other person does. Right. And you don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, rock, paper, scissors. You, you don't know... You know, all you can say about it is you'll win unless you lose. That's true. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, like with chess, you know, there I mean, there are books about chess openings, right? Like, um, right. Right, and so you you can have in your mind like a in these conditions, I will do these things. We will play the Spiegel variant for our defense this game. Yes. Yes. Um. So you can have things in mind, but you know that if you're not paying attention to what's actually on the board, your strategy, your plan is going to fall to pieces and you will lose, right? right? You will lose. Yeah, and you will lose. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the thing that's interesting is like play can still allow for planning, right? Like if you're playing capture the flag, there's some planning involved. There's planning involved for sure. Right? There's strategy, there's tactics, there's... All of it. But it's still, like, what's our objective here? Play. Play, you know. Um, football teams, oftentimes, NFL teams, will map out the first 15 plays or something like that. Yeah. But then it's like, and we'll see where we are. Yeah. You know, and we'll sort of adapt from there. Well, and I feel like that's... I mean, this podcast is kind of like that. We get a word in our heads before we start. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. And we pretty much know that we will do some kind of greeting to one another at the beginning. Good afternoon, Dr. Spiegel. Hello, Paul Fitzgerald. <laughs> right? But then everything after that. And and I do think um, one of the things that I love about this podcast is it is, it kind of is just our playground. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It always was. Um, right. What was your favorite piece of equipment on a playground as a kid? Oh, what was my favorite piece of equipment when I was a kid? This is back when playgrounds were dangerous places mm-hmm. with asphalt and metal bars and, and swings. A lot of uh, swings in, on which you could gain uh, uh, altitude far higher than what would be considered safe. Um, everybody was ran to the ran to the monkey bars. I don't know why. Um, so what I'm hearing have this is thing. that was not your favorite. It was not my favorite. Yeah, I don't know. I, it just I don't know. We're gonna climb this thing. We're gonna, what, we're gonna climb around on it. Then we're gonna get back down. I don't know. <laughs> um, it, there was this one. Uh, I guess it was a merry-go-round kind of thing, but it was like this old sketchy, wobbly yeah. metal pipe, wooden benched thing, and it was always like. Let's see how fast we can make this thing spin. And if we can like, it's like, I'm just remembering. It's like, it'd be hilarious if you watched it now. These third graders or fourth graders like hanging on for dear life, trying not to get flung off of this merry-go-round as it's like spinning around at like breakneck speed. Yeah. You know, and it's like, were there not adults around at the time to supervise it? There's no way you could get away with half this stuff. There was just like a pole, like a 15 foot pole coming out of the, coming out of the asphalt. And it's like, what'd you do? Well, you climbed it. It's like, yep. here's this 10 year old kid. He's 15 or 20 feet off the ground. And it's like, well, I guess I'll climb back. There's no way. I mean, all this stuff got scratched, oh, you know, and, and removed from these playgrounds. And now we have like recycled tires and foam rubber padding. And it was like, no, this was like a metal pole, <laughs> you know, coming out at, you know, 15, 20 foot metal pole coming out of a piece, uh, kind of an, coming out of an asphalt slab. It's just an old flagpole. Next to a splintery steel pipe merry-go-round that went way too fast next to monkey bars that somebody broke their leg on every year at least once in swings where you could launch yourself you know one of my it's like literally one of my classmates broke their arm uh from flinging off of 
flinging off of those swings. Yeah. You know, play involves risk. I mean, sometimes you get hurt, but don't you already anyway? So who cares? It's not, it's not part of the math. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, what if something happens that isn't going to be, that isn't going to be good? What if something tough happens? What if something hard happens? What if something painful happens? It's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't it? What is, what is your best planning gotten you so far? Right. You know, you're, as, as I so often say on this podcast, you know, your best thinking got you into this mess. Your best planning and thinking is not going to get you out of it. You know, it requires a different, a different, not just a different way of thinking about things. It requires a different skill set entirely, a right. different approach entirely. You know, you thought yourself into this mess. You're not going to think your way out. Um, and and so the question outstanding is, so what's the alternative? You know, and I, I, I just know, I almost want to get it out of the way. I know my favorite quote of all time is going to come out. And I was, I've been trying to save it to the end. You know, I still might. You know what's funny about that? I won't do it, but I was going to bring that up and just steal your thunder. Everybody's got a plan until we'll get back to it later. Yes. Uh, Because it's a a good one. We do need a midpoint Mike Tyson quote, Yeah, good old Mike Tyson. Um, Right. So Um, as I was listening to you think about your playground equipment, it occurred to me um, I kind of had this memory of my own playground experience that I, d- I know I've never told you because I think I totally forgot about it myself. So on our playground at my elementary school, we had this really impractical slide that it wasn't very tall. And the whole structure except for the slide was wooden, like so uh-huh. just splinter city. And it had a really long ramp going up to this like wooden structure that always had like a bees, like a beehive in it. So mm. it was super safe. Mm-hmm. And then like you could slide down this metal slide that always was like 3 million degrees. Right. Uh, oh, and would yeah, like yeah. burn all the flesh off the back of your legs. So naturally we didn't participate in that slide activity. But what my friends and I would do in like kindergarten um, is we started this <laughs> excavation mission underneath that slide so we would crawl underneath it and there were sand and we were convinced that we'd be we'd been digging for like i don't know months it felt like it was probably like three days right three days um but we had found like we had hit something and so like every day at recess we would go out there with like you know people would bring thermoses and things that we could shovel with and we were like we were convinced that we had found a dinosaur Oh, and that man. we were we were digging him up. Sand. Luxurious. Yes. It's luxurious, not black asphalt. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing is, is like one of the things I love about that is you know, we felt like we had this great purpose. Sure. We were we were driven by something. It didn't ever matter if there was ever anything we could no. have drudged up, no, right? No, no, no. Um no. It was just about being in the experience. Yeah, and for that reason, I think it was probably the swings, the the dangerous, inappropriate swings. Yeah. You know, um, just because it was like the risk was accepted as part of the play. Yeah. Um, so it's like the 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 beehive that was always there. It it's like oh my god, we got to get rid of the beehive because you know somebody might no. It was part of the game. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh my God, Annie, you have to avoid the bees. You know, so it was like, it, it became part of the fun. Right. You know, the risk became part of the fun. And I think that's what's sort of lost. Yeah. You know, uh, on on the over planning angst, you know, and I'm using the word over planning fast and, and loose. You know, it's like, I get it, you know, but this 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 notion that we can't have fun in the playground until you get rid of the bees it's like oh no the bees are part of the fun yeah. you know the 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 risk of breaking your arm is part of the fun you know the risk you know the the danger of having to hang on to this merry-go-round and not get flung off yeah. is why you is why you do it you right. know it's like does all this feel drudgerous and boring and unexciting and you know, if everything you're doing is so you can be happy later, it's probably because you took all the danger out of it. Yeah. You know, it's like you've taken all the risk. You don't, you're not even, you've taken so much risk away that there's nothing actually left to do it for. Right. You know? Well, and I mean, 
So one of the things that's interesting about thinking about risk and play right now is that I have for the last seven, eight days shared my home with two 12-week-old kittens. Right, right, right. And one of the things that I've been noticing about watching them is they play all the time, right? Like that's basically all they do is play and sleep. And you might say, oh, but wait, they eat. Yes, even eating is play. Yeah, right. Um, When they do it together and... Uh, Robeson seems to prefer to eat while standing on top of Shanks. So it's a really interesting situation. I need to get a picture of it one day. Yeah, yeah. But um, there is a significant amount of risk involved in their play. And one of the things that I've been noticing as I'm trying to get them acclimated to the house, trying to get them to do things that you can tell they're a little afraid to do, but they'll do it if you kind of build it into play, right? Yeah, like, right. so we have a laser pointer, you know, and I, we have a rocking chair and, you know, rocking chairs are tricky for little cat babies because yeah, they don't right. understand physics yet. Right, um, right, right. But when they're so involved in, I am chasing this laser, I must get it. They will take some chances on that rocking chair. And a lot of it's not planned for, like if they're planning for it, if they're thinking about it, they're going to stay hesitant. But if they get, play has a quality to it to where you can really get lost in it. And then that's when it's surprising. And I think yeah. that's what I'm learning from watching yeah. my kittens. Yeah, yeah. That really is when it gets surprising. And, you know, this is not an argument that people need to throw all responsibility to the wind either and just do irresponsible and dangerous things. You know what? Paul and Sherry are right. I'm going to drive my car 120 miles an hour down the highway. Don't do that. Don't do that, right? <laughs> you know, anything that might incur, you know, damage or destruction upon another, maybe we won't do that. Um, there's also something to be said for, for kindness and consideration of others in, in the mix of this, you know. Um, and when, when you think about, you know, how dangerous is this rocking chair and the, the laser pointer sort of makes me forget about it a little bit so I can jump on there. And, oh, my God, I'm on the rocking chair. That's crazy. I wasn't even thinking about it. Yet here I am. You know, the surprising places that that we can end up with a with a mindset of, of how is this play are, are fantastic. And just opening ourselves up to the how acceptable it can be for something unexpected to happen. Mm-hmm. And that being okay, I think, is the salve that uh, heals so many difficult and challenging wounds that we're suffering out there, for lack of a better way to, to, to say it. Um, what, what, what harm can it do? You know, it's like, but I want to be a doctor, but if I don't do this stuff, then I'm not going to be a doctor. Well, you know what? You might be something else that that you might be a better at whatever it is you're going to do than being the doctor that you don't want to be anyway. You know, if if you hate the MCAT, you're probably not going to like med school anyway. You know, um, if, <laughs> if, if, if everything is an obstacle that you need to power through in order to get something later on, I can all but guarantee it's not going to work out you know, the way that you want it to. And it's not going to result in the in the gold mine of happiness and satisfaction that you think that it might. You know, um, if how many, how many times did you just have, have people just completely given up on trying to plan anything and everything still managed to work out and everything was okay? You know, um, you know what? I'm not going to go to college right now. I'm going to backpack across Europe. Great. Do it, you know, I mean, follow your heart and what it wants to do. Um, college got really a lot easier for me when I when I saw it as play rather than as something that I was supposed to do in order to get a job and have a career and do all this other kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? When I sort of shelved all the, the social rules and reasons on why, you know, I was supposed to learn stuff and take particular classes and all that and say, you know what, I'm just going to do the stuff that's interesting to me. I'm just going to, I'm going to do the major that I like. I'm going to study the stuff that I find interesting. Um, Cool. Yeah. Cool. You know, I mean. Yeah. And it's not just school. Um, It got real easy. It got real easy, you know. Yeah. But also, I mean, you know, even my relationship to my 
employer, right? Like when I, whenever I've had a job that is like driven by a lot of shoulds, like, oh, I got to get there on Monday and then I got to do this and then I got to do that. And like when I see whatever job, not just my current job, but anytime I see a job that I have as a set of chores, it feels like death to me. Um, yeah. But right. the more I'm able to find the space for play and this, like, and I also will say that I think play looks very different for different people, right? Like, um, yeah, right. my husband takes great joy in tinkering with a database and making it output different kinds of reports to him. Yeah. That right. is not how I define play, but it is for him. So, yeah. Good for him. May he be well. Right? But yeah, I I well. think that um there's something to finding space for play in whatever the work you do is. Um as I was driving down here, I was listening to a book um that's called like Love Lettering, I think is the the title of the book. And in it, there's this woman who um she specializes in like uh, like hand lettering signs and oh, cool. planners and stuff like that. Yeah, cool. And and like her and this other character are playing games with signage in New York City. Um, and it's helping her find inspiration for her creative work. And I think that that's, you know, um, there's a lot of power to finding the game in whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting to me that I've noticed in my own uh, educational history, when things make sense, mm. when things finally make sense to me, and uh, I mean, like, just from a purely academic point of view, um, I was not great at math, mm. you know, and, and this is not like a, like a, oh, he really was, but, you know, he just saying it. No, it's like, I, I did not for a variety of reasons, which I'm not altogether sure what they were specifically like i just didn't it's like parts parts of it i just didn't get it mm -hmm. you know it's like i tried and you know it just didn't what what are we doing that why are we why are we carrying the two why are we adding this to the other side why are, you know it's like what what you know and you know i'm not blaming teachers i'm not blaming education so i'm not blaming anything but because nothing needs to be blamed it just didn't make sense mm -hmm. and then i took a philosophy class it was like philosophy 101 and it's like completely changed opened up broke open my brain in ways that had not been done before with adaptability flexibility different ways of thinking um i, I found in that philosophy class more often than not um i knew the right answers to things you know it was it was very strange mm -hmm. you know and there were comp complex nuanced thinking patterns that, that kind of did this thing and the next and you know i never got anything less than an a in any math class i took after that it's like i understood derivatives after that I, you know calc one was a it's like wow it's like what you know so it's like that class flipped something in my brain that opened up math mm -hmm. to me and, and it's like what did it do it's like i don't know i thought about stuff differently after i took that class and then math made sense I don't know, you know, the the whole second half of my undergraduate trajectory, you know, made sense and flipped differently because I took that philosophy class. Um, everything became interesting. And maybe that's not true. It's not that everything became interesting after that. I knew what I found interesting after that mm. and I did it, mm -hmm. you know. So it's like, why would I, why am I doing this? Like, that's not, that's not where my heart is. That's not really what I want to want to dig on. This other stuff is, so I'm going to do that. Right. You know, because this stuff feels like play now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh my God, you have a, cause, and I end up getting a math minor. Yeah. You know, my minor is like, my God, you, you hated math. Why did you get a minor in it? It's like, because I took a philosophy class and then I, I loved it. It felt like a, felt like play. And it's like solving math equations now feels like a game to me. Every day I do the New York Times crossword. Hmm. Every day I do it. And I do, and I'm, I'm a sort of a stats geek. So I do like check my time on it and things like that. You know, it's like, God damn it. You know, it took me three minutes longer to do this one. And, you know, um, you do improve with practice with the New York Times crossword puzzles. You know, you get to understand not more answers to more questions and things like that, but you're able to, you're better able to interpret what the question is asking or what mm -hmm. the, what the clue is asking. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's is it looking pattern. for a, yeah, what, what, when, when, when a, when a prompt is asked this way, what kind of answer is it looking for? 
kind of stuff. And fun fact, I don't know if people know this, the Sunday New York Times is 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 notorious mm-hmm. as being the 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 one that's the trick. Hard. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's just big. Mm-hmm. Um the Saturday one, the Saturday New York Times is the maximum difficulty one. It's like it's not the biggest one, but it's the it's the it's the most challenging by far. Um and it's like what do I do that? It's like, well, it's summer. It keeps my brain a little sharp. Um, it works in some parts of my brain that uh, I, I enjoy leveraging. The analytical part gets its half an hour in the morning. Yes, listeners, I said half an hour in the morning, right? So um, it's not a gauntlet to be thrown. Sometimes the Sunday and Saturday ones can can go in excess of an hour or so. And sometimes I close them and come back to them. You know, it's fine. Um. But it it's like and what what am I what am I doing it for? You know, I don't do it to keep my brain sharp, and I don't do it, uh, you know, because it's an analytical thing. Because so I don't forget words and things. It's just a good time. It's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. It feels rewarding. I like it. What do I think about while I'm doing it? Well, I think about doing the crossword puzzle. Right. You know, our our mutual friend and beloved listener Beth. You know, what do you think about when you're doing the dishes? You know, it's like I think about doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. Peeling potatoes, you know, it, peeling yeah, potatoes. And, you know, and I'm also notorious for really enjoying cleaning. Mm-hmm. I love doing the dishes. I love mopping the floor. I love sweeping. And people are like, Ugh. it's like, oh no, it feels like playing to me. It's fun. You know, I'm, I'm all in, I'm all in on it. Um, and there's there's no hesitation or resistance to any part of it. And um, yeah, it's that ability to, you know, take what comes with flexibility. Yeah, and pivot and move the you, you know is the is with is the does the comfort come from planning or does the comfort come from sticking to the plan? You know, I don't think comfort comes from this is my plan I'm going to stick to it. That's where suffering comes mm-hmm. in. You can get comfort from coming up with a plan. Oh yeah. Right? And th- that's what it is. It's like if you want to plan out the next week, great, plan it out. Do it. Absolutely. Right. And then what I don't want to see is you beating yourself up, trying to, you know, come hell or high water, you know, to stay to it because it it means something greater if you do. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, the greatest measure of of all of us is our ability to stick to a plan come hell or high water. That doesn't mean you're fantastic. That means you're stubborn and probably miserable. You know, feel free to pivot at any time. Right. Right. You know, if it, if it feels like what needs to happen. I was going to tell you that the television show Friends taught us that. But what I know is that you don't know that. I've never seen it. I know. I've never seen it. Yeah. Uh, but our listeners may know that when the word pivot is evoked, one thinks of Chandler navigating a couch through a stairwell. Mm. Mm. And that... That is a good uh, example of needing to adapt one's plan. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, this idea of like thinking about the, you know, the crossword puzzle. Um, Eric and I used to do those together. We haven't in a little while. But, I, you know, part of it is just figuring out what feels like play to you, right? Yeah, right. And giving yourself permission to do to do those things. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who are, who have these grand plans for, uh, this amazing life that they're going to live when they retire, but they don't allow themselves play now. Um, and I think there, there's this idea and I, least we forget capitalism sells us this idea, um, that play is indulgent, right? Um, that play is besides the point. It's, it's a luxury item. Um, but if we live life where we only do things that are play, like what is what does your day look like when you let that be your agenda? Well, yeah, and the the amazing thing that people discover when they do that is like you still eat, you still take a shower, you still engage in the physiological requirements of life. Right. And and in you fact, know. like can really indulge those things right like yeah um if you know and i'm thinking about this now in terms of like while we've been talking when, when i first got here i had no idea what was what was for dinner but the whole time that we've been thinking about play 
I've started thinking about what am I going to do in the kitchen? And I now know that there's a frittata in my future. Ooh, nice. Nice. Right? Um, so, yeah, you still have to take care of your physiological needs. But, you know, the kitchen is a playground, right? Yeah, like, for me for me, it is. Yeah, for me, for a lot of sure. folks, right? Um, but I think for me, like, as I keep thinking about, like, what does it look like to live a life of play? It's not a life of being frivolous. It's just a life of realizing that if I take everything in my life so seriously, I will suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Right. As, and you've lived through everything so far. You know, anyone who's listening to this podcast has. So you know, far. the things that went well, the things that went according to plan, the things that went easy, easy, exactly as expected, you lived through them. The things that didn't, you lived through them, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, whoa, you know, that worked or that didn't work or hmm, maybe I need to do something else or hmm, maybe I'll do that again. You know, I mean, we're creatures of pattern yeah. and habit, you know, and um, we pay attention to these things. And I think it's important you know, to pay attention to what happens, obviously, as I, you know, say pretty much every day, pay attention, mm-hmm. you know, um, what is the outcome of things based on what, what you do? How does this work? And one of the things that I've noticed in my life in the context of play, and in the context of not play, is that being nice and not being a jerk and being considerate and compassionate, right, usually works out pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being uh, focused entirely on self and what I can get and, and what I want and ex- focusing, focusing exclusively on how to get what I want at the expense and exclusion of anyone else or anything else that I may be around oftentimes causes a little bit of pain and suffering in myself and others. You know, thinking that there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, um, depending on what what is considered, oftentimes leads to, to suffering. But at the same time, Realizing there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things can also lead to eternal happiness, bliss. If, if you realize the right way to do things is kindness, compassion, you know, uh, consideration of, of, of myself and others, you know, balancing my needs with the needs of others, being able to say no, but also knowing that it's okay to say yes mm-hmm. if things come up that you really want to do. And, you know, just kind of seeing all, again, I go back, I go back to this. This It's no different than how you play a game of checkers or connect four or um, capture the flag or whatever, you know, the greatest lessons in life, right? Um, Or or learned from playing Go. Have you ever played Go? I have. Right. Um, But I don't really understand it. Yeah, it's like it's the simplest, the simplest game, the simplest rules, but the greatest complexity you could ever possibly imagine emerges from it. Yeah, you know, um, books have been written on go just because it's like how can such complexity and such nuance and such extraordinary unpredictability and outcome come from a game with so few simple and easy rules? Mm-hmm. No two games played have ever been the same. You know, uh, and and that's exactly the point. No two games have ever been played the same, including the one that you're playing right now, dear listener. You know, um, there's not a, there's not, it feels like there's a road to be on and there is, right? But it's a road that no one has ever walked before and it is yours to navigate and that can be okay. Can it be scary? Yes, but that can still make it play, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and if you get punched in the mouth, you can always change your plan because Dr. Spiegel, you know what Mike Tyson says? I do. Do you want to do it? No, I think the pleasure is all yours, my dear. A great man, Mike Tyson, once said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Um, And truer words have never been spoken, right? And I think that's the... That's the lesson of this pandemic. That's a lesson of every day in our lives. That's a lesson of of civilization and history. So everybody's got a plan until they don't, mm-hmm. you know, until you encounter uh, an outcome that was unexpected. You know, it was like, oh, but my, you know, and it's like the amount of suffering we engage in is directly proportional to the amount of the, the grip strength on what our plan is. Mm-hmm. 
the harder we hang on to our plan, the more pain and suffering I think we're going to encounter along the way. Unnecessary. I mean, let me say suffering, not pain. Yeah. Pain is, is suffering. The more suffering. Suffering. Avoidable yeah. suffering we bring on. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of it is tied to even when one has been punched in the mouth, right? Um, a lot of it is about, I'm not defining my pronouns and that's okay. Um, you know, it's about bouncing back. Um, one of my mentors is doing a lot of research right now about the concept of bouncing back. Um, and people have studied how humans bounce back um, yeah, for quite right. some time. Like, right. look at things like, um, you know, POWs, how they bounce back. Um, yeah, right. You know, like, and, and I think that's, even when you think about that turn a phrase like bouncing back like it has this you know it's like a trampoline metaphor right yeah right. you know it's it, right there's some play in the bounce back um hopefully um so i think you know letting something be playful finding the space for the the flexibility in the changing of life course um i think it's a it's kind of essential in a way that like, I don't know if I've always acknowledged. Mm -hmm. What have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Yeah. You know, um, may we continue to play on this podcast and in our lives. It's gone listeners, well for 74 yeah, you, episodes. Yeah. You too. May you continue to do things playfully playfully you know as the joker said why so serious <laughs> so if our role models are the joker and mike tyson i guess that <laughs> well more wisdom there than we give credit well right. we did start with marshall rosenberg which is a little bit of a contrast <laughs> to uh those two individuals why so serious? Why so serious? But I mean, ask yourself that, really, you know, it's like, if, if you're in the middle of this, and you're miserable, and, you know, you're suffering to try to stay on a plan that may or may not work out, why so serious? Well, I mean, I think there is something to be said for that. Like, if you just kind of imagine your day for tomorrow, and you start off and you say, I'm going to take myself very seriously, I'm going to hold myself to very high standards, and I'm going to expect that I fulfill every duty to its full capacity all day. Accountability, accountability before anything else. Yeah. Right? Um, you can do that. It sounds like a terrible way to spend a day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. But then if you imagine that same day and you say, I'm going to come to this day with kindness and compassion for myself and some playfulness for whatever comes, that's yeah. going to be a different day. Yeah. 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 You know, and why so serious? If you're serious about your own happiness, joy, lightheartedness, glee, happiness. Yeah. It's serious as a heart attack. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't take this lightly. Yeah. You know, because it's fun mm -hmm. and yeah. it's joyful, you know, um, but this, uh, Everything is just so serious. It's, I don't know. It's tricky. I don't love it. I don't love it. No, I, I it. you know, I remember a time that you and I were not seeing eye to eye and we were trying to get back to that place where we were seeing eye to eye and you paused us and said, can we just take a minute and laugh together? And we did. And then everything else. Yeah, everything's fine. So. <laughs> well, I don't know if everything was just fine, but right, we right. definitely, but, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, you know, if, if you're in the middle of an argument, if you take five minutes, time out, and you just kind of sit there for a couple of minutes and get a drink of water and get up and shake it off and go back, and it's like, okay, where were we? It's like, oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter now. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter now. Feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's that ability to bounce back and to, yeah. like, whatever feels like the most serious thing. I mean, there are things, of course, that are of course. incredibly yeah, yeah. serious. Keep, of course, they're serious stuff, right? Right. Um, Voting. And elections is serious. <laughs> serious stuff. Yeah. You the know. oppression of human beings, right? Like yeah. Serious Inequality stuff. and racism right. is serious. Yeah. yeah. Don't do it. You know? Right. But like, how can you find the space for play within even 
the like I think there's a difference between important work and serious. Yeah, taking absolutely, oneself seriously. absolutely, and parsing out that the nuance of that I think is is good work for people to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good work cool. for people to do. Awesome, cool. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched <laughs> punched in the mouth, right? And on, Mike Tyson was a wise man. What is this episode seventy four? Seventy four. On episode seventy four, Sherry banned Paul <laughs> from ever evoking that quote on a podcast. It's been coming out a lot lately, I have to say. Yeah, I don't know if it showed up on the podcast, but it shows up about every two conversations we have. Yeah. But it's relevant, so I'll He's allow it. He's got a plan. Yeah, everybody's got a plan. So, so. cool. Cool. Have a, have a wonderful evening in your, what is it, a cabin? It's a, co- it's a cottage? It's a have cottage. A wonderful evening in I'm your very cottage. refined. Cottage. Very refined. You don't stay in cabins. Yeah. You stay in cottages. I should make a cottage pie. <gasps> it's a callback. Look at that. What? That's some... That's some closing of a loop right there. There we cool. go. Yeah. Thanks, listeners. Appreciate you listening. We'll talk at you soon. Indeed. Uh, stay tuned for cool stuff. I think I got a blog coming out pretty soon, but if it should be out by now. A blog was promised. A blog was promised, and I will deliver eventually. So it's going to be good. Cool. Thanks, y'all. See everybody soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye bye. This podcast is produced by Sherry Spiegel, Paul Fitzgerald, and This Most Unbelievable Life. For more information, please check us out at www.thismostunbelievablelife.com. Paul and Sherry have a podcast. Paul and Sherry podcast, yes. Yes.